Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Lights, Camera, News, the show where we go over some of the latest news and rumor from the past week in the movie world. And um, I got a lot of great news stories to go around today. And with me to talk about them, we got Mr. Carl Champion Jr., my partner in crime. Good morning, everyone. It's very lovely to see you. Good morning. Isn't it? No, it's like... Oh, uh, it's morning in my part of the world. It's no, it's pardon, nine. It's seven o'clock at night. <laughs> and uh, also with us here, all the way from Canada, right? You're in Canada? Uh, yeah, I'm in Canada. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we got Mr. Mark Tordai here. How you doing, man? Hey, what's going on? I'm in Toronto, so technically it's not really Canada, because the rest of the country hates us. But whatever. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Sorry. We, we, we love you, man. We got you on here. So... <laughs> As usual, we're going to start off with the uh, trailer roundup where we go through uh, all the trailers from the past or as many of the trailers from the past week. And we had a lot of them. We had Comic-Con. Uh, so a lot of new stuff dropped. And um, this first one's a tasty one for me because I, I, I love this, the original movie that this is based around, which is called The Room. And this is a movie about the making of that film, which is supposed to be the worst movie of all time. And it's called The Disaster Artist. And it's it's directed by James Franco, who is also starring as the lead, Tommy Wiseau. And you also have a slew of other people in this movie. Just I can't even name them all. There's so many big actors in this movie. Seth Rogen, uh, Dane Franco, Dan Franco, it's, it, the list goes on. And this first trailer, man, holy shit. Uh, it, it just depicts one scene in the movie, and it's one of the most famous scenes. And it is hilarious. Uh, Mr. Mark Tordai, how did you feel about this trailer? Yeah, so I am a connoisseur of bad movies, so to speak. I also use the French word, connoisseur. And um, I, uh, I love bad movies. I think bad movies are the greatest kind of movies. And um, I'm really looking forward to this movie. It's going to be at TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival. I won't be there this year, unfortunately. See it. It was absolutely insane. You mean the original? Or the trailer itself. You hear us? You hear us? Well, think... yeah. Well, yeah. No, no, no. That, <laughs> he, no, he, 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 he definitely reflected my thoughts perfectly. I mean, um, the room is one of the worst, but also one of the best movies ever made. It, 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 it toes that line when you get you get to a certain point where you get down there where like the happening and. Uh, uh, the last airbender those are at the bottom of the of the bad but then you get something like the room which is reaches the bottom and it goes all the way back up to being good it's unintentionally really really funny and good and this movie just it all we've got is this one trailer you've got this one trailer about this one scene and like you said it's the most famous scene in the movie probably and i mean it's hilarious it's perfect it's everything i imagine it, it, it feels like exactly what I would have imagined they were going through on set of a movie like this being directed by a person like this who I, I don't really even know how to describe, you know what I'm saying? But it looks, it looks really funny. I'm so on board with everybody involved. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's it, this movie. Um, when I was introduced to it, I couldn't believe how bad it was, how this movie, how did this movie get in theaters? But it's one of these, it's a cult classic film. They still show it in theaters, like around us. They still show it in the theater uh, routinely, like at least once a month around us. And they'll throw spoons at the screen. It's an inside thing. You'll have to watch the movie to understand. But it's, it's, 
it's so hilarious. This movie was in, is, is an unintentional comedy, and uh, it's become it's made Tommy Wiseau and the people in the movie, you know, basically almost celebrities. It's carried them up to this point, and uh, I, I can't wait to see all the little behind the scenes things um, and some of the other depictions of some of the other scenes in the movie. So uh, that'll be really fun to see. Um, the next trailer we're going to talk about is um, one that just came out of nowhere for me. I I, I really love this director and and i feel like he's tried so hard to get other projects uh on board and he hasn't been able to really get you know like hellboy 3 you know th other things like that on and he, and he just hasn't been able to get anything done but now he's kind of it looks like he's going back to his roots a little bit more towards kind of what his some of his foreign films were and that's and it's a film called the shape uh the shape of water and it's uh it's kind of another fairy tale type story and I, I, I'm going to let Carl start here. What did you think of this trailer? Um, well, I mean, the trailer looks fun. I mean, it looks really interesting, really unique. Um, is, the thing about Guillermo del Toro, who made this movie, is that, um, you know, he made Pan's Labyrinth, which is a masterpiece, basically. His masterpiece, I would say. And then he's, he's made some other movies like uh, Pacific Rim, and I'm sure I'm forgetting, I mean, obviously I'm forgetting a lot, but um, he, he's like an idea man to me. He has some of the best ideas in Hollywood, but for whatever reason, he never gets, he never sees a lot of these ideas through. He has all these great, he has like, he had a great idea for a, a series on HBO about a manga called a uh, monster, I think. And then, and then he's had a lot of different things that he, that he likes to try to think of, but he never sees them through. And then this one kind of came out of nowhere for me. I had no idea that he was, I've never even heard of this, but, um, I mean, it looks like a good movie. It looks interesting. I mean, it, it's like I said, it's very unique. I've never seen a story quite like it before, but I, I'm interested in it. It's not like a uh, I've got to rush to the theater the first night, but it looks good. I like it. Mark, what did you think of this trailer? Yeah, I don't know if I got cut off from last time, just because my connection was a bit a bit bad. But I just want to say for the disaster artist, I love the room because it's terrible. I own a lot of bad movies on DVD, and I'm really looking forward to that one. Specifically, I can't wait to see it. Uh, now, for this one, The Shape of the Water. This is one where I'm very perplexed um, because it doesn't interest me at all. I just – I think the trailer is kind of like, okay, you know, it's all right. I liked some of the actors in it. Um, so is it Sa Sally Hawkins, Sadie Hawkins, whatever? Sally Hawkins. Is it Sally? Yeah. Okay, so Sally Hawkins. She's great. Um, Octavia Spencer's in it. Um, Richard Jenkins is in it. Like, it's got a really, really great um, cast. Michael Shannon. Yeah, Michael Shannon. Come on, Midnight Special. He's the greatest. He is um, the greatest. <laughs> and uh, Mud and all those fantastic movies. But um, I don't know. I don't know about this one. The story just doesn't compel me, so I may skip it. I mean, my, my thing is, is it kind of looks like it could be some sort of spiritual uh, sequel to Pan's Labyrinth in a way, um, just kind of that same feel to me. Um, and like Carl said, Michael Shannon's in it. I'll probably give it a, a chance because of the director and because I like seeing Michael Shannon in anything. So, yeah, and yeah, calm down. You know, if you need to go in another room for a second and relieve <laughs> yourself, Carl, because we're talking Michael Shannon, you can't. But we're going to move on before you hurt yourself. Uh, <laughs> the next one we're going to talk about is uh, is one that really excited me. I didn't even I didn't it was not even really on my radar. And uh, when this trailer came out, it, I mean, just the thumbnail got me because it was just a, a person with a snowman head on them. 
And I was like, this, what is this? And it's got Michael Fassbender in it and it's got Rebecca Ferguson and it's called the snowman. And I'm like, what is this? Another holiday film? I doubt it. No, it's about, <laughs> not quite, this, no, no, it's not quite, it's not quite that, but it's like, <laughs> it's like about basically a woman goes missing and Michael Fassbender is this, this investigator coming in to, to, to look around and see what's going on. And apparently it leads to some sort of, you know, serial killer type person in this town. And, um, this looked freaking awesome. Um, it's from the same director. His name's Thomas Alverson, Alfredson. He also did Let the Right One In, and he did... Um, solid movie, solid movie. Yeah, yeah. Let the Right One In and uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. So this is a really good director, really, really... I, he might have even written the film, too, so... Um, but this is, this is a kind of... These are kind of films that I love to watch. I love these type of, you know, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo... Uh, Zodiac, these serial killer type films are always very interesting to me. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this trailer? Um, I thought it was extremely intense, really intense vibe. Uh, Michael Fassbender's incredible. Um, the only thing about this is to me, it could go either way. This could be like a really good, like almost a drama, like Mr. Drama, like Seven, or like a girl with a dragon tattoo, like one of these dark kind of thriller movies. But there's that element of the snowman stuff where I'm like, this could really be awful. Like, this could be really terrible, and everything misses its mark because it's so different, and it's so, like, it's a snowman. So it's like, we all know that theme. We all know those cartoons, Frosty the Snowman, all the tales, right? So I'm just really wondering, you know, curious about what it's going to be. But I will say, either way, I really love dark, intense crime thrillers, but I also love terrible movies. So I'm going to watch it anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I hate yeah. to I hate to disappoint you, but it won't be terrible. I'll tell you that right now. The, the, it's interesting. It's interesting that you mentioned Seven because as soon as the trailer started, that's the very first thing I thought of. I can't remember exactly what the line is, but Fassbender says something at the very beginning of the movie. And so, I mean, I'm sorry, the trailer. And as soon as he said, it, I'm like, wow, this feels like seven already. And and then as it went on, you know, I feel like, you know, because it's like a serial. I mean, it just kind of felt a little bit like seven. And I wonder if maybe this is not Fassbender's, you know, chance at something like that. Um, it looks great. You know, I love crime dramas. I love mysteries. I love things like that. So, you know, I, I'm sure it's going to be really good. Fassbender is one of the best actors working in Hollywood. So I'm certainly totally in for this. Looks good. Yeah, and also Rebecca Ferguson. She's she's kind of a rising star uh, with the Mission Impossible um, films, and uh, yeah, it's it just yeah. Th th these movies, I always give them a chance, especially with Fassbender involved. I, I got to give it a chance. So let's move on to our next trailer. Our next trailer is one um, was also not really on my radar either, um, and it's about it's a, based on a true story about firefighters. Uh, going into uh, uh, a wildfire in Arizona back in 2013, and they lost a lot of men during this. And it's called Only Only the Brave, and it's directed by Joseph Krasinski, who's also done like Tron Legacy and Oblivion. And it stars a, a lot of good actors. You got Josh Brolin, you got uh, Jennifer Connelly, you got Miles Teller, you got Jeff Bridges. I mean. Taylor Kitsch is in here, which I think Taylor Kitsch is an underrated actor. I think I'd like to see him do a little bit more. Um, but I like I like these type of like um, survive survival films or disaster movies. Uh, and this is this is like a disaster film that's more of a serious film, more on the level of a um, some of these. What's the film that came out last year or this past year with um, Mark Wahlberg? Um, 
Oh yeah, Deepwater Horizon. Deepwater Horizon. Something yeah. more in that vein where it feels more real and gritty and not so much a disaster film that feels fictional like a tour, like a twister or something where it seems like it's a, everything's <laughs> going a little bit too crazy, you know. Um, but this film to me looks, you know, very compelling and I and I'm I think also Josh Brolin's just a really solid actor and uh, this might be his he's got a lot of big stuff coming up so uh, you know, with Deadpool 2 and, and of course, playing uh, the big baddie in, in the Avengers. Thanos. Uh, Thanos, and, and, you know, it looks, this could be cool. Uh, Carl, what did you think of the trailer? It looks good. I mean, uh, the, the cast looks great. I mean, it's just kind of like you said. I mean, it's, it's another disaster movie in a, in a seemingly unending supply of disaster movies that come out every year. But it does look interesting. It looks like a good take on it. It looks a whole lot better than that one we talked about the last time I was on, uh, where we can change the weather and we lose control Geostorm. of the weather. Yeah, Geostorm. Yeah, it looks. Uh, it makes me realize how bad that actually looks, <laughs> which is pretty bad. But um, I, I like Miles Teller's character. I think he looks pretty interesting. He's probably got a pretty good character arc going on there. But, um, I mean, I love Josh Brolin. And, jo I mean, Jeff Bridges is one of my favorite guys ever. You know, just everything he does I, I usually like. So, you know, it's another disaster movie. It's not going to break any records. It's, it, it'll be good enough. I have no doubt it'll be good enough. It's got a great cast. Yeah, it's got the dude in it, and we know you love the dude. So, um, what did you think of this trailer, Mark? Yeah, I, I was really uh, taken with the um, cinematography um, and the visuals. I think that they, it looks really, really amazing. This would be something. I'm sure they'll probably put it on 3D, and it's probably going to be an IMAX. Like that to me seems to be where you could get the whole experience. But I also did think that I, I thought the acting and uh, the performances seemed to be pretty good for what they were doing. You know, like it is a disaster. It can go either way. You can, you can have, you know, just awful films like the day after tomorrow. Um, but you can have pretty good ones too. There are pretty great disaster movies. Earthquake, by the way, uh, Walter Matthau's cameo as a, as a drunk bar patron. It's hilarious. Um, and yeah, I'd like to see this. It wasn't on my radar. Same that this movie was out or going to be out and now I'd like to see it so it did its job for the trailer for sure yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of these films uh, these first few films are all uh, a few of these films are all coming out in October uh, the snowman only the brave uh, it, it just yeah October's maybe turning into a fun month to see movies so uh, I'm down for that but this next one's a big one this is one that came out in comic-con we got a new trailer for the Justice League, um, and this was a big one. This was a long trailer, um, and it gives a, it shows a lot of the the big visuals. I'm wondering how much of this has any of Whedon in it. If if some of this has some of what Whedon's directed uh, in this trailer, um, but I, I'll, I'll I'll I won't go first this time. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this trailer? Yeah, I'm not the biggest uh, DC Cinematic Universe fan or Expanded Universe, whichever it's called. So. This movie is a lot, a lot like okay scenes, like the 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 attempt at humor. There was a few times with Ezra Miller's character, when he's trying to, you know, as the Flash. There's a interaction with uh, with Bruce Wayne with Batman. That was like, they're, they're sort of going for some jokes, but um. It didn't. It didn't hook me personally. Um, I'll probably end up seeing me and people will want to talk about it, 
but, but um, yeah, it needs to do more for me to really want to see it. The person that yeah. like I need to see a lot from the DC universe, and of course, Wonder Woman did that for me more than you know, in a in a great way. But this Justice League still still needs to do a few more things for me to be enthusiastic to see it. Basically, yeah, yeah. Carl, what did you think? I, I'm I'm absolutely on the other end of the spectrum there, and I can't. I, I, I absolutely. I already couldn't wait. I mean, I, I've been a DC fan throughout. I mean, I've never. I haven't hated any of their movies. Suicide Squad, least favorite, obviously, but I've not hated any of their movies. And this one looks great. I mean, Wonder Woman is my favorite out of the grouping, but um, this one, you know, they start out with Wonder Woman and. Um, Ezra Miller, you know, Ben Affleck. I mean, everybody looks great. I was finally glad to see Aquaman in some real action, you know. I, I, I will admit that one of the scenes, even in the trailer, the CGI doesn't look great when he slides down with the enemy and jumps out. But it's all good. I mean, it's not a finished project or product. And, um, you know, this is a movie that I've been really looking forward to for a long time. And it looks even better than I thought that it might. You know, I, I feel... I feel the influence already from what's carried over from Marvel, from Whedon. And, uh, you know, it looks good. You know, it's funny. I, I really liked uh, – I don't want to get into specifics about it because I don't want to give anything away. But, you know, there, there looks like there's some good humor in it as well as some good action, which DC, to me, is more known for good action rather than good humor. And, you know, you start to bring some of that Marvel humor in, and it might – it might do them a lot of favors with a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, I'm in the middle kind of. I mean, like, I, I'm I'm more curious than than feeling good about this movie. Um, I, I'm starting, you know, watching the trailer a few times, I'm starting to get the feeling like, you know, at first I, I didn't think that they were moving too fast, um, but now I'm starting to feel that. I'm starting to feel like, once we're already to this point where we're at their Avengers movie, their big movie. And it's like, I don't know. There's nothing that's been built up to this point. And we got like a bunch of, we got elite, we got three new characters that we don't know really anything about that have to be built into this movie and you have to like them. And I think, you know, the easiest is Aquaman. Aqu already people already love uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, even though he hasn't been in anything really yet. So I, I think he'll be easy. But because he has a lot of charisma, but and, and Ezra Miller is great too. But I think you still got to be sold on that because you have a TV show that has a very popular person playing that, and uh, that's going to be difficult. But um, yeah, I, I, part of me feels like they're moving way too fast, uh, and and it's just I'm starting to really feel it now um, because I don't feel like there's going to be a lot of weight for me, and I don't care enough about these characters to care what happens to them in this movie. So. That's, that's where I'm at right now. We'll see if it changes when the movie gets closer. But the last thing we're going to talk about trailer-wise is one that uh, I don't. I was really curious about, too, because it's, it's, it's directed by probably my favorite director, Steven Spielberg. Um, and it's one – I'm, I'm going to try to read this book before we get to the movie. The movie comes out next March, and it's called Ready Player One. And it's about – you have this – it's set in the near future, uh, and, and, and basically virtual reality kind of things have become – the norm and there there's this big one called the oasis that's owned by this billionaire who then dies and leaves the clues to his fortune within the game so now everybody's going at going after these clues to find his fortune and our main character played by ty sheraton is kind of the one that's really on the trail 
And, uh, you know, not only in the game people are going after him, but outside the game people are going after him. So it sounds like a really cool concept. Um, Carl, what did you think of this trailer? Well, I just want to say, first of all, that uh, the concept of a billionaire leaving his fortune inside the game for whoever to find, that would never work in today's world. I'm sorry, it just would never work because people are way too smart and they're way too motivated. And if you did that, they'd find it in 30 seconds. That's just the way things work. But I'll get past that because the movie, to me, looks really good. I mean, I was really surprised to see, um, obviously, the Iron Giant. When you see him the first time, I was like, wow, okay, Iron Giant's there. And then you start to see a lot of the other characters from video games. And I mean, and it becomes like this really cool thing. And I'm sure that they'll get a chance to do all these nods to all these great video games throughout. And, you know, it looks like a fun movie, actually. I mean, it, it's Steven Spielberg. So, I mean, it can't be bad. It won't be a bad movie. It'll be a good movie. You may disagree. Even you may disagree, even though you like Steve Spielberg more than I do. But you may you may disagree with that. But there's no way that he would direct the movie with a stupid concept. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, you said that the movie can't be bad. The movie can be bad. He made 1941. Uh, you know, and he may and and I'll be honest. BFG wasn't great. Um, it, it was wasn't. Okay. I don't, it, it was, it was a, kind of a letdown for me. But yeah. I agree. The concept is it's a fantastic concept. And it's hard for me to believe that this movie is going to be bad because also he works really well with young people. And Ty Sheraton is a good up and coming young actor too. Um, and you got some other actors in this film too. You got, um, you know, Ben, uh, Ben Mendelsohn's in it, TJ Miller, Simon Pegg. Uh, it, it's, it's got a lot of great actors in it. So um, Mark, what did you think of this trailer? Uh, well, I think it has good potential. I think the visuals were great. I saw Freddy Krueger. He's also in the yeah. trailer. Uh, and apparently the DeLorean from Back to the Future is in the trailer. Um, yeah, Steven Spielberg is one of those ones where his early work, besides a few films like 1941, and I think he did a movie called Always, which is not the best. Um, yeah. But his recent work I haven't loved. I did not like Bridge of Spies. Um, I just, it, it really missed the mark for me, and I don't think Ryland should have won the Oscar, but... At the same time, the visuals of Ready Player One, they looked amazing. And so at least it has the potential uh, uh, to, to, to you know, maybe be a really great film. It has the potential. It's got, it's got the interesting story. I didn't realize that the story was what you had said with the billionaire putting clues in, in the video game, which is pretty fascinating. It's, it, it seems rather 1980s because that's kind of a 1980s trope or, th you know, thing or early 90s um and i don't know for me i think it's something that obviously i will go see i will i will invest in i don't really think i need to read the book i might read the right read the book after but um i am kind of looking forward to it i'm going in a little bit cautious though because of of the last few years spielberg you know not the best uh, not certainly not as best as he was in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s but um Again, with with the potential, you never know. I could be completely mistaken on my on my sort of uh, you know uh, caution, my cautiousness, and, and go in and just be completely surprised. And uh, and that's what I would want to be anyway, because it's a, it's a great concept and and uh, everything seems to be kind of interesting about it. So hopefully, um, but I will definitely be seeing it. And uh, yeah, those Easter eggs were fantastic. That's another thing I wanted to say. Like yeah, all that stuff was great. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of gives me, if I had to mix it with amalgamation of a couple movies, maybe like 
it's like last last action hero mixed with like Willy Wonka, you know, where you have to go into this place, uh, you know, and like you know you win something at the end of it, you know, like I don't know, it's kind of a weird amalgamation, but I like it. Wreck um, It Ralph a little bit. Sure, yeah, Wreck It Ralph a little bit of that in there. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's. It's gonna have. It's gonna have a, a. If anything, probably a good chance of making good money at the box office coming out in March. Um, having all these references to other movies, uh, even some of them being his own movies, because in the book apparently there's a lot of Spielberg references, and he decided to take a lot of them out because he didn't want to seem too, you know, heavy-handed with it. Yeah, yeah, like it's my movies. I don't want to reference my own movies, you know, in my in another one of my movies. You know, it's, it's a little bit much, but I think he kept some in there. Um, he said uh, probably some ET stuff possibly, but um, yeah, it, it, to me, I'm definitely interested in Spielberg. Um, now we're going to move on to our news stories. Uh, we got a few here to talk about. And the first one we're going to talk about is we've got Walter Goggins, who's known for uh, his part on the shield justified. Uh, he is going to be playing an unknown role in the uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp film. That's going to be coming out here in the next couple years. Um, I'm a big fan of this guy. Uh, he's really good in Django Unchained. Uh, he plays Hateful Eight. Oh, I'm. He's in Django though. Well, I know, but I'm just saying. Also in the Hateful Eight. Well, thank you for speaking out of turn, Carl. I'll get to you. You'll get a chance. Ah, he doesn't know how this works, guys. It's okay. He hasn't done this enough. But it's um, yeah. He uh, he's just always really good at being a villain, and uh, I'm hoping he's a villain because he's just really good at that just slimy, you know, kind of self-confident, just dick. You know, I, I want that, and I hope he's that. So, Carl, what do you think of this? <laughs> well, I do, Hateful Eight, right? I do love – he was in The Hateful Eight. I don't know if you all know that, but uh, but I do love the guy. I mean, obviously, I love the guy. Quentin Tarantino loves the guy. I love the guy. He is really good in a villainous role. I don't know how, how good he does in a – uh, you know, being the main villain, you know, he's, he's better as kind of a side villain kind of guy, but you know, I do love the way he acts. I love his characters and the way he plays his characters. So the fact that he's in Ant-Man two, which I mean, Ant-Man one is, it's kind of like a hidden gem at this point in the Marvel cinematic universe. I don't think a lot, it, it doesn't get talked about. It kind of came and went without much fanfare at all, but it was a really good movie. And I think this next one with the same cast uh, should be really good as well, but uh, Goggins is only going to make it better. It, it, that's all he can do is make it better, I think. Yeah, because Baskin Robbins always knows. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mark, what did you think of? What do you think of this news of Walter Goggins? Yeah, playing, Walter, playing in this Walter, film. Walter Goggins is fantastic. You're right, Walton. Walton Goggins. That's how I always say Walter. <laughs> Walton is great. Um, he's a Southern boy from Georgia. He is. Yeah, he's absolutely in Django Unchained, and he's in Hateful Eight. Um, but he was in a movie that nobody liked but me called American Ultra, in which he actually uh, did play a villain uh, and was really off the off the wall. I mean, it, that whole movie is crazy. But uh, he did really, really good in that film playing a villain. So, yeah, being a villain, I haven't seen Justified. I haven't seen his TV work as much. But uh, he does kind of play a villain in Django, and, of course, he plays maybe sort of a villain-ish, maybe at the end of it, you know, hero in Hateful Eight, but he does it really well. So I can't be against this news just because he's a fantastic actor. Um, he commits, and uh, even if he's a good guy, which 
might be like the lesser. Like it would be better if he were a bad guy. But even if he is a good guy, it's still great news. He's he's a great actor to join the Marvel universe. So I really enjoy it. I think it's a great choice. Yeah, I can't wait to find out what what role. I mean, I could probably try to speculate if I really look into it. You know, type in some villains from Ant Man and see if I can figure it out. But I'll wait till another time. Um, the next uh, bit of news, uh, which is kind of one that just I don't know if I. I'm, I'm, I'm just annoyed or, or uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't get it. But uh, apparently Warner Brothers is, is saying they're going to do another movie um, that revolves around bad guys. Uh, Joker and Harley Quinn, vo- Harley Quinn versus Joker film is apparently in development here. Um, I don't think there's any real confirmation of anybody other than the two actors involved. I've heard even rumors that Leto isn't really confirmed to be attached yet, but it's um it's if everything works out what do we what do we think of this idea of a joker holly quinn movie uh mark what do you think i think it sounds not great um i don't know like jared leto is the joker you know i had a friend of mine who worked on suicide squad so remember when he's lying down in front of all the knives and guns he was one of like a few people that did that that put all those knives and guns in the row and, ah, man, I don't know. Like, it's one of these things where I'm thinking, really? I mean, it could be good. It's always got to have to have potential because certainly there, there are a lot of fans that enjoyed uh, Harley Quinn, played by Margot Robbie. I actually really liked her uh, in that role. Uh, but I was not a fan of Jared Leto's Joker at all. And it's very strange. I mean, I get why they're doing it because they are popular characters and they think they can probably make a ton of money out of it. And they probably can. But I just, I feel it's almost like, do we really, does it really need to happen? Like, really? I don't know. So I think once we see a trailer, once things start getting confirmed, maybe uh, maybe Ben Affleck will show up, let's say, for example. <laughs> then I might be a little bit more inclined to, uh, to uh, you know, go that, go that route to say, okay, well, now I'm a little bit interested. But it's going to really heavily depend on, like, who's in it. And uh, what's going to go on in this thing? I don't know. I have, I have no idea. Other than that, it's sort of in the middle. Yeah. You know, my big thing is that, and, and this is this is the key, is for me, just like the hero, a lot of times the hero is defined by the villain. Uh, it's kind of the vice versa, too. And I, and I feel like with the villains in the DC, you know, especially a lot of these Batman villains, you're not letting them fight Batman. You're, you're building them up. Yeah. by themselves without even fighting the hero that they're known for fighting. So you're like, it, you're taking away the the drive and the motivation of these killers and what makes them special, which is, you know, especially Joker. Joker is like the yin yang to the Batman. You need him fighting Batman. Like, where is that? We're making Suicide Squad where he's going after trying to get Harley Quinn out of jail. And then now we're talking about doing another movie where Batman's not involved, but it's Joker and somebody else. And it's like, like, what are we doing here? Isn't this a movie about heroes and like a ser- like a film franchise about heroes and the vil- and having to go against villains? I feel like we're spending way too much time on the villains here, you know. And and it's and I'm like, you're just trying to catch up to Marvel just in the hero stuff, and you now you're over here making like Gotham City Sirens and and Batgirl and like just like what is all this stuff you're doing? Like, Carl, what do you think? I could I could not be more supportive of what DC is doing. Oh my but God. but 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 this this too much. 
I mean, I can't, I cannot buy into this. It makes no fucking sense whatsoever that they would do something like this. I mean, it is beyond uh, Harley Quinn versus Joker. I mean, who in this universe, in this universe, who is the Joker? He's had like 10 minutes of screen time here. And then, I mean, we all know who he is. I mean, and we've learned, a, I mean, honestly, we've earned, we've learned pretty small amount about who Harley Quinn is. And now you're going to have them against each other. I mean, to me, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I'm starting, I'm, I'm thinking that this is pure speculation, pure rumor, because uh, because I can't make sense of it, I guess. Um, but to me, I mean, if it is true, then I guess the only thing I can really say is that they're trying, like you said, Stephen, to catch up with Marvel, but they're trying to do it in a unique way that nobody will see coming and bring it, you know, in more of a, you know, villainous angle than Marvel is bringing it a, a heroic angle, which is fine. I mean, they're trying something new and interesting, but is it interesting? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that it really is interesting. You know, I like Harley Quinn. I like, I, I'm a much bigger friend, fan uh, of the Joker than you are, Mark, but, um, I think that's more me being in love with the character himself and me believing that playing that character wrong is kind of a difficult thing to do because he's such an interesting character. But, um, you know, I need to, for me to be able to buy into this and to get really excited about it, then I need to see more of Leto's Joker. I need to see him do more than basically nothing, which is what he did in Suicide Squad. And, you know, as soon as I see that, then maybe I'll buy in more. But for now, I, all I can do is just see what they try to come up with, you know. Yeah, it's a waiting game. I just think that they're, you know, they, like I said earlier, I feel like they're already rushing uh, uh, rushing us up to Justice League, not even inter not giving every hero a chance to shine before putting them together. Um, and then now, on, the, on beside that, they're, they're also creating these movies around their villains, and they're not even fighting their heroes. Like they're just fighting other villains. Like, like I don't know what they're doing, but I'm gonna move on from it. And uh, <laughs> we're gonna talk about something that's a little bit more interesting. Um, Blumhouse has uh, got the Spawn reboot finally uh, happening. You got uh, Todd McFarlane's actually gonna be directing this, and it's looking like it's gonna be on a very low budget, which is what Blumhouse does. Uh, Ten million dollars apparently is gonna be the projected budget for this Spawn film. So, um, and Todd McFarlane's good with it. He's like, no studio is going to give, uh, a, a, you know, a first time director, a hundred million dollars. I know this is, and, and I, you know, he's really glad to be working with Blumhouse. Blumhouse just has something that's working for him right now. And if, uh, Blumhouse thinks that this movie can get made based off of Todd McFarlane's script, I'm interested, you know, cause I really, you know, even though the 1997 film is not really, is not good at all. Um, it's it's the idea of it once again is something I would really like to see done well, um, and yeah, I mean I'm I'm down for it. I don't know if Todd McFarlane should be directing it, but I'm definitely down for it. Um, Carl, what do you think of this movie? Um, well, I mean the thing about Todd McFarlane directing it, no, he has. I, I don't know anything that he's directed or anything. I don't know that he has directed anything at all. But it, it, for Spawn to be any anyone, I mean. If there's any first-time director that I want Spawn to be in the hands of, it's the person that created the character in the first place. So that part is cool. Um, you know that '97 film. I mean, I, like Robert can't stand it. You know, and I, you know, our friend Robert, he can't stand it. But to me, Michael Jai White, I think he was a great Spawn. 
it was just inside of a just a terrible movie with a terrible script and you know the worst CGI in the history of cinema. You know, it looked like a it looked like a really bad computer game. But you know, that's beside the point. That doesn't matter anymore. You know, this is a new thing spawned by himself. I think the the best thing about this is that it's rated R and it's Bloomhouse, so he's gonna he's gonna be free of any restrictions whatsoever. He's gonna be able to do anything he wants with this movie. I just hope that he, you know, I mean, obviously with being a first time director, I don't know. We'll see how well he understands the constraints of his budget. You know, I, I just I don't want to see him go back to cutting corners with CGI or cutting corners with, with special effects. I want him to stick to a stri- stick to a script and a story that he can tell on this limited budget. You know, a violent, which is what I assume he wants to go like really violent, really dark. You know, and if he does that, I think this can be very, very, very good. And I think this can be the movie that a lot of people have been waiting for. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm hoping this means a lot of practical effects. Yeah, is what I'm hoping for. Uh, Mark, what do you think of this news? Well, believe it or not, but Spawn was the very, very first DVD my family ever bought. We we got it with uh, our very first DVD player 20 years ago. So it was the first DVD I ever watched, and it is awful. I mean, it is not a good movie. So when I think about remakes, um, I think let's take a movie that has a good a good universe where the filmmakers at the time did not do a very good job making it, and so there's only one way to go, and that's up. Because even if this new Spawn is like, meh, it's still miles better than the 1997 movie, which I don't know what Martin Sheen was doing on that thing. He must have really needed cash. Um, And, oh, my God, do you guys remember John Leguizamo, the big clown? I thought he was good. Oh, jeez, well... um, (laughs) That's the only thing about the movie I like. Only thing. <laughs> it's it's not easy. I tried to watch it a few years ago, and I got maybe twenty minutes in, and I was like, I remember this movie. I'm out. Of, I'm out. But again, Todd McFarlane, that is a really good thing. Um, we've had a few people who have actually directed um, their own material, like authors and writers. One one of which was the. Gentleman who wrote the book for Perks of Being a Wallflower actually did uh, direct that movie and wrote the screenplay. And that did end up being a really, really great film because, and that was his first time directing something. Um, so if this is Todd McFarlane's, maybe, maybe it is his first time, I'm not sure. But to me, that sounds promising. And as long as it sounds good, as I think they're on the right track, as you mentioned, a lower budget. Fine, let's do it. You know, and again, I don't think anything can be worse. I mean, Spawn to me is one of my most hated movies of all time. Like it, it, it's just awful. And I think a lot of that is because we got this beautiful DVD player twenty years ago, which cost several hundreds of dollars. Of course, now it's they're like you can get a you know Walmart, go to Walmart and get a DVD player for like nineteen ninety nine or something yeah. or whatever. But it costs like I don't know two or three hundred dollars. And we had only one movie that we could watch in it for, you know, for like months. And the only movie was Spawn. So I have a really, really terrible personal attachment to that film. Um, and then we got Gattaca, by the way, which is which is not a bad movie. Um, anyway, I think it's good. I think it has the good potential. And I, I do want to see it. And I would see it in the theater. So to me, the only thing it can be is, is better than the original, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's... it's 
It's got a lot of tools. I don't know why. I don't know why. But um, Spawn is is definitely something that's it's you know warranted a remake. Um, and you know with it with the way comic book movies are more relevant nowadays, maybe it has a better chance of making some money. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And um, moving on to our next story, um, we got another some more comic book news. We got Flashpoint. Flashpoint is now the um, the name of our Flash film, which has been in just just hell production hell went through a few different directors uh, i don't we don't even really know who's directing this yet um but we have a title and it's called flashpoint and if you know anything about the flashpoint story um which apparently for a lot of people it seems like a very early to be getting into this uh, storyline for some people as the first flash movie because we get into a lot of time travel stuff get uh batman is actually batman's dad in this alternate timeline uh, it's really weird stuff. Uh, I won't ruin it off. I won't tell you everything, but it's it's very interesting. I, I think I might agree with uh, Robert Jones, who told me we was talking about it earlier that this might be a little bit too early to go into this storyline. But I'm, I'm it's it's got me interested. Carl seems excited. What do you think? The reason I'm excited is because the Flashpoint paradox, which is the I'm assuming that I don't know the comic book, but I just know like the animated features and the flashpoint paradox is the animated feature that's based on the story. And to me, the way the story goes, I mean, I'm, 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 I don't think that there's really a, a bad place you can put it within the timeline because at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's set in a completely alternate universe that doesn't really have much of an effect on the current real universe. So I don't think there's a really bad place you can put it. And to find out that the Flash movie is going to follow that, I mean, it, it, it nothing but excites me because the Flash movie, the Flash character, superhero himself, is one of my favorite superheroes of all time. I mean, he's it, just, to me, he's just really cool. And Ezra Miller is a really cool guy. I think he's the right guy to play this character. And I just, I, I can't wait to see where they go with it because, you know, in the Flashpoint Paradox, you know, you've got, a different Batman. You've got uh, a different Superman. I, I mean, I don't know if you want to say a different Superman, but you've got structurally a different Superman. And you know, I, I don't. I don't want to gush too much or give any details away about the story. But I love that this is the direction they're going because I think that this is arguably the best DC animated film, which DC trumps Marvel a million times over with their animated movies and so to find out that the, this is the direction they're going is perfect to me i love it i could not be more excited mark what do you think of this yeah i'm not as familiar as the comic books um with dc comic books too much i've read a few of them uh, you know i've read a lot of old batman stuff but flash has never been a character that i've i've sat down and read too much but i will i will say i do enjoy the idea of time travel alternate timelines and i do know um, from several friends who do watch the uh, the TV show The Flash, and how they have gotten into the, some of this stuff, and it seems really cool. I think it, it would be something that if they can pull off, um, they should do it if they really think they can. Um, and I'm guessing, obviously, uh, Ezra Miller, right, will be playing it. So he's a great actor. Uh, there's a movie that he was in called uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is like not a movie you want to just sit down and watch. To you know. Put a smile on your face because it's absolutely <laughs> heart-wrenching and disturbing but he's a great actor he was also in perks of being a wallflower he was fantastic so 
you know what? Yeah, I hope they find a good director. I hope they can find a good story because all of that alternate universe, all of that time travel stuff does interest me. And um, yeah, why not? Let's see what they can do with it. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I feel like it's still a ways a ways away, but uh, at least we're getting some news about it. Hopefully, it's moving forward. Um, and the next bit of news we're going to talk about real quick is uh, we got a little bit of information about um, Captain Marvel. Um, you know, we, we've known about Brie Larson playing Captain Marvel for a while. She was announced, I think, last year. Um, and, you know, she's supposed to be in the Infinity War film. But her first movie comes after the first after the first Infinity War movie. And apparently it's going to be a prequel of sorts. It's going to be set in, nine, in the 90s. Um, and it's also going to be uh, co-starring... Um, with Sam Jackson, who is going to be a younger Sam Jackson, of course, with both of his eyes. So, you know, and, and, and also with that, the Kroll, who is uh, villains primarily, I think, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, is going to be in this film. So, Mark, what do you think of these, this news here? Yeah, I'm excited for Captain Marvel. Um, I think the casting of Brie Larson was fantastic. Uh, she's amazing. She's even good and crap like King Kong. She is a great, 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 great actor. Um, I, I, King Kong was okay. It wasn't that bad. But uh, he was great in it. And uh, Sam Jackson was awesome. Anyway. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I am excited about that. That sounds cool, being a prequel. The only thing is uh, I kind of hope that they don't um, – they don't use computers to make Sam Jackson look younger. <laughs> they probably will. They will. Because, yeah, they probably will. I, they can get away with it in some cases, like when they had Civil War, when they used it for Downey. He looked pretty good. Um, Rogue One, which I loved, there were some some areas where you're like, yeah, this is a cartoon. Like This is a walking animated cartoon. And it's too bad. Because I, I enjoy Rogue One, for example, but some of those you know scenes with Leia with the what's his name uh, the Peter Tarkin. Cushing the man is dead yeah. man yeah exactly so it's like that stuff wasn't great so I, I'm kind of just worried about that that they're gonna really make him look young a lot younger obviously 20 years younger 25 years younger um, but other than that I, I really want to see more of of, of crawl uh, of uh, Andy Circus's character from uh, what we see in uh, Ultron right so I really wanted to see more of him they set him up maybe he'll be in Black Panther I don't know I guess or, or whatever um, but yeah I, I'm, I'm always invested in a Marvel movie even if a Marvel movie is not the best I I am a self-professed Marvel fanboy so I'm I'm the enemy according to a lot of people because even if Age of Ultron comes out, I still enjoy it. You know, I'm still going to be raving about it. So, um, hope it works. Hope it works out. Yeah, and of course, this is you know Marvel's first female-led superhero film, so it's a very important film to be successful for them. Yep. Um, especially after Wonder Woman was so successful with DC, they yep. need to hit it out of the park with a women uh, women-led uh, hero film. So. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I kind of, I kind of like the idea of it, um, and the Kroll are kind of an interesting villain to, to go up against for Captain Marvel. So we'll wait and see what happens with that. Um, and the last bit of news, the last thing we're going to talk about here is a little bit of a discussion topic more than anything. Um, Christopher Nolan had had come out and he was he was in an article um, later this earlier this week, and um, he'd come out and said some things about Netflix and about how he felt the Netflix um, format, how they how they put out their films. Um, 
you know, not not their not their TV stuff, but their films. He doesn't really like how they do do their their stuff. You know, he he thinks that they need to put out their stuff in, in the theaters and have a theatrical release because that's what that's where films are supposed to be in. They're supposed to be in the in the theater. He likes how Amazon puts their stuff out in the theaters first and then streams it later. Um, so a lot of people have been fighting over this. Some people are like, you know. Nolan's pretentious. He's just he's oh, he's a dinosaur. He's just acting like some old school dude that just won't get with the times. Um, I, you know, I'll get into my thoughts after uh, I let Carl Carl go at this. What do you think of this? Um, well, do I understand why he would say that? Um, yeah, obviously, especially after seeing Dunkirk. I mean, that movie right there it deserves and needs to be seen on the perfect format, which. I mean, if Nolan had a choice, if, if Christopher Nolan had a choice in the matter, you would not be able to see Dunkirk anywhere other than a 70-millimeter theater. And that's where it deserves to be experienced, and I get that. I'm totally with that. But when he says that, you know, their business model makes no sense, there's no way I can agree with that. Uh, he said – I don't believe that was his quote. I believe his quote was um, – their business model is pointless, which that there's no way I can agree with that. Their business model is not pointless. They're bringing a lot of enjoyment to a lot of people and they're giving a lot of opportunity to a lot of low budget, you know, first time filmmakers on their platform. I mean, a lot of people are able to see a lot of movies, a lot of shows. They're giving a lot of opportunity to a lot of people. For So for Nolan to say that their business model is pointless, it's, it's that's completely wrong. I think it's not that, pointless. I do think I do think that 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 that's. I think people are taking that that comment more general, and when it's more directed towards their their model for films, and not their overall model for how they do things. Because as we know, some of you know Nolan's films are probably on Netflix right now to watch. He's nothing. He has nothing against people being able to see his films after they've been in theaters, but it's about how how the first time you experience a film. And he thinks that you should be seeing the film in theaters first and foremost. And um, and I think that, you know, I agree. Netflix, um, to me, uh, is, is making a play to kind of take over, you know, take film only to the digital age. You know, and, and they're not the first thing to do this. I think that um, digital in general, the, the idea of digital media is 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 you know also killing physical copy you know physical media you know being able to buy my blu-rays you know they're trying you know that's going away because of something like digital uh you know movies and and netflix and things like that so you know theaters are the next thing you know being able to see it in a theater um mark what do you think of this i don't know i i think you know netflix has every right to make original content and they have every single right to put it on their own website they're not doing anything illegal. They're not actually harming anybody because, as Carl mentioned, when you do make a film for Netflix, you are employing a lot of people. Those people are getting paid by Netflix. They are the producer. And Netflix has literally every single right to do that. Um, they are using you know, hardworking crews. They're using both well-known and, and, and unwell-known actors, directors, um, and so forth to promote their movies. So for me... This digital stuff kind of scares people, and it scares people who have a particular kind of uh, view that, like, of film preservation. Because film itself, which Nolan is a huge film user and film consumer, 
um, it's kind of scaring them because the old days of shooting on Panavision, on 35 mil, on 65 mil, on 16 mil, on 70 mil uh, is very expensive. And digital is not only taking over the actual, you know, uh, film production side, but as you mentioned as well, as it has been mentioned, the distribution side has, is being taken over digitally. And in my opinion, um, one of the reasons why we have so much piracy is because uh, the movie theaters have not been able to match the supply with the demand. People, if they can find a movie that they want to see right now, they will download it. It doesn't really matter. It's a, not a great thing because it does mean that the production is not getting any additional money, which does, by the way, hurt the studios and it gives us these crappy movies that they keep turning out and maybe once one every 10 movies or something are actually pretty decent. Um, and of course, they're not taking as many risks. So for me, I, I would have to say that we are kind of losing that sense of tradition where we're going to the movies. Like I, when I saw Dunkirk, I paid $20 to see Dunkirk. Now that's $20 Canadian, so that's maybe $16 or $17 American. But I went to see it, and four people in the theater had their goddamn cell phones out, and I could see the light, and I was sitting all the way in the back. And, like, I am not a violent person. That's the only thing. If it were legal, I would literally want to take the cell phone out of that person's hand and slap them. But it's not legal. Can't do that. Wouldn't do that. But I really want to. I'd like to see Dunkirk on my 16-inch, you know, laptop monitor. No. <laughs> so that would not have been an experience. So there's this really kind of back and forth that we're just right at the cusp of right now where we like going to the movie theater and we have to go to the movie theaters to see certain films, but then not every film we have to see in the, in the movie theater because we have this digital option, this consumption option. And who knows? We, we literally don't know where it's going to go. But I think with Chris Nolan... The biggest problem that I have with a lot of this is, again, I like him as a filmmaker. Dunkirk was fantastic. I give it a 10 out of 10. But, like, he's got he's to know that, like, we got to go to the future now. Like, we can't just be, you know, sitting back in the 1960s where everything is on film and we all go to the same theaters. Uh, you know, we have to move forward with, with technological evolution. We have to move forward with supply and demand. And so, unfortunately, I don't like these, these sort of sentiments and these sentences that he's, he's saying because there really isn't anything wrong with the, with the film consumer. It's, things are just changing, and digital is becoming you know, more a part of our consumption. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there really isn't. So I, I, I like Christopher Nolan, don't like what he said about it. And for me, I'm, I'm all for, again, having that option some movies you got to see in the theater. Some movies you can watch on a laptop or a television screen. But yeah, I don't know. I think he's I think he's too hard on the on the moviegoer personally. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely you make some good points there, Mark, and 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 I definitely um, I can see both sides definitely. But I, like you said, I feel like for me, uh, I am more on the uh, the pre preservation side. You know, you know, it's it is it is film has got a rich history, and I feel like. Uh, a lot of today's uh, moviegoers are okay with just leaving it behind, and it's not okay with me. Um, Carl, did you have anything else to add? I actually agree with you on that, that um, it's not okay to leave that behind. That is the most important part of film is the experience that the director gives you. And 
I don't, I don't know that the director can, I, I think that we've, we've reached a point where the director can give you as good of an experience as he can. You know, I think the digital is going back down the hill. You know, I think we've reached that pinnacle and I don't want any of that to go away. I mean, Quentin Tarantino started, he started, I think he's part of the reason that Dunkirk was made the way that it was made because he used those super Panavision cameras in that 70 millimeter. And I mean, you know, IMAX cameras are 70 millimeter anyway, but I mean, I don't know that Christopher Nolan does this without Tarantino setting that precedent. And nobody is a bigger student of film than Tarantino and then Nolan. I mean, they're, they're peas in a pod in that respect. And I agree completely with you that I do not want any of it to go away. It is by far the best way that you can see a movie that was shot in a style that commands it. And I, you know, it, if they have to, I don't want to see this happen, but it, it's probably going to get to a point when the digital media is going to take over and you're going to have to close some theaters. They're going to, they're, they're going to be fewer. They're going to be far between, but that the ability to go there and to see the movie, the way that the director intended, I do not believe that will ever go away. I think that that will always be a possibility. And I just hope that I live close enough to be able to do it forever because that's the best way. Well, I plan on just having my own movie theater anyway, so yeah. I, guess I, shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't be upset about it too, too much. I, I do plan uh, to, to open up my own personal theater, so whatever. Whatever, guys. I'll just <laughs> car might go away, AMC, whatever. Um, but that is the end of our show, guys. That was a great discussion there at the end, end the show. Um, and uh, Carl Champion Jr., where can you be found? Carl Champion Jr. on Facebook.com, mostly on the Film Club page. If you just go to if you just go to Facebook, search for Film Club. We are the largest film club in the entire world, and that's where we're housed. Uh, other than that, Carl the Champ one one two on Twitter and Film Club Movie Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Come awesome. at me, dog. Awesome, Mark Tudai. Where can you be found? Uh, you can find me at Mark Tordai, M-A-R-K-T-O-R-D-A-I. I am on Twitter and Instagram. And I can also be found at my local Walmart considering buying The Cobbler on DVD for many <laughs> until I give up and go home. Yeah, uh, you, should, you shouldn't buy that movie. Um, uh, I, 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 I do own Spawn, though, so um, you can find me watching Spawn. Um, after this, uh, actually Game of Thrones comes on guys. I can't watch that right now. Um, but, uh, I'm Stephen Billings. You can find me here, you know, on film club central doing a lot of stuff. Uh, Facebook also, we have our stuff there. I had just opened up a stardust account to do reactions on there. So you can find little quick 30 second reactions on there from me from now on. Um, but that's it for this week's show guys. We will see you next Sunday and, um, have a good week. <laughs>